Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cult Following. This is part 2 of episode 9 where we discuss film soundtracks. We pick up right where we left off last week, so let's not waste any time. Listen, comment, share, and subscribe. And, you know, I think we, we've mentioned it a little bit, but I mean, when, when, a, when a soundtrack ties into the movie and it becomes like an extension of it that's i think those are the interesting oh those are the more appealing ones yeah well and sort of rare i mean that doesn't happen quite as often um we i mentioned garden state which i i know is um i i think a lot of people reference garden state which i guess was what 10 years ago last year yeah oh four yeah for you know yeah so uh, upon uh, reflection uh i don't know that i ever owned the garden state soundtrack but i i know that i heard those songs i know that, that oh was, yeah because uh, the shins will change your life right the shins yeah and i did i liked the shins yeah. a whole bunch um i i think that in retrospect that suffers uh that f- that film and then by extension the soundtrack suffers i mean tremendously with aging i don't i don't I don't enjoy it. I don't. But that's also kind of the age when you started having what I like to call Apple commercial soundtracks. Oh, yeah, 100%. When, I mean, like, literally, the Postal Service is the the Apple soundtrack oh, album yeah. of all time. Yeah, he, but I mean, like, there he are plenty of that in. But yeah. there are yeah, plenty Zach of Graf. others. Yeah, and, and all that. But I mean, you have that point. I mean, that's like the Starbucks sampler, too. I mean, we're, we're crossing out of music or out of film, and I don't really want to do that. But I, it's interesting, though, as you're talking about how labels and filmmakers, both, you know, some, you know, who are interested in having a success, it's how much that changes. It's like what becomes the standard in uh, sure. soundtracks down the line. Because scores have always been whatever they want to be, but soundtracks are well. I, I think I think just in touching what like Jason's talking about, like you know how like the the, the songs are really built into the movie and Garden State. They are. You look at something like um, High Fidelity, where like right. basically it's like you know this like it, John Cusack's character basically tells you the sound the sounds you hear in the movie the songs you hear are like the soundtrack of what's happening to him at the yeah. moment and it's referenced throughout well and it's, that's and that's one of my favorite soundtracks yeah. by the way i mean you got stereo lab you've got a uh, lisa bonet mm-hmm. doing uh 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 what is it uh she's doing uh uh I know exactly which like they talk about how they hate that song but they love it when she does <laughs> yeah. it yeah and I'm really upset now that I can't that I'm blanking yeah, no, ooh baby I love yeah, you yeah Peter Frampton yeah, okay. yeah 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 uh, so you got I mean but you got Stereo Lab you've got a who I forget who does the uh uh it's maybe royal trucks is on the soundtrack uh i just yeah there's there's will oldham or uh, sm- uh not will oldham smog yeah bill Callahan. and then there's just like a lot of the little songs that are in there for a few minutes that i really like like you have songs by like the beta band and stiff little fingers yeah. i love the stiff little fingers reference if only to, because they go in there to tell you specifically that green day rips yeah 100 <laughs> no that's i mean like in in terms of music snob soundtrack reference points it's a good one yeah. uh you also get uh, uh, the beginning of uh, Jack Black singing songs in movies, yeah. which uh, he kills. Uh, uh, Let's get it on in that movie. He does yeah. a Sonic fantastic Death Monkey. job. Sonic Death Monkey, yeah. yeah. Or uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, School of Rock is great. And then School I mean, of Rock yeah, is great. Yeah. And then later, when he did the Link later it's movie. It's Barry uh, Jive in the Uptown Five. Hey, they change it. Yeah, Barry Jive in the Uptown Five. Right? Because <laughs> they were on the verge of being yeah. Kathleen Turner, Turner Overdrive. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you get him doing then School of Rock, Link later movie, uh, incredible. Like, great. I mean, I love that film. I think, and I think it's hilarious. And then he sings in uh, Bernie. And right. he's really, really good oh, at that. that's so right. All the church songs. songs. Yeah. And it's incredible. So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, that that's another thing that's rebirth because that's the third part of the triangle is sc- scores, soundtracks, and musicals. Right. And right, now right. that those are very blurred. So that's kind of interesting yeah. to oh, go off yeah. that. We can talk about that later if you want. Well, I, I'm a little interested, like, Adam has like this massive list I I just kept right going. next to him. And I'm I know Kirby to, does too. But yeah, I'm nice just a little interested. I'm like, do you have that in like categories or how's that working? You know, I kind of sort of did and mm-hmm. I've been kind of Xing them off as we've been going along. Um, but no, one of the things that you were that, you know, that I wanted to, to interject a bad movie, but a great soundtrack with the collaboration of people working on it. Some debut songs, um, especially Army of Me by Bjork. Uh, Bjork. Tank Girl. Uh, Tank Girl. Tank Girl oh, was yeah, just yeah. a really good, solid soundtrack. When you had um, uh, Joan Jett and uh, Paul Westerberg. Um, that one the, has Scott Weiland doing a Led Zeppelin cover, yeah, too, right? Yeah, 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 it's yeah, just, yeah. It's just such a good soundtrack, but just a crappy movie. Dude, you're going to get the Army of Tank Girl. I haven't, man, I haven't seen... Off. <laughs> I don't I'm remember serious. when I last saw Tank Girl. It's been a, a very... I, I, very tried to watch, together, I tried to watch it a few months ago because I thought it might be a good one because it's like the 20th anniversary. Like sure. It might be a good cult classic, and I'm like, oh man, this, this does <laughs> well, not hold up. Before the movie came out, you know, there she is tattooed oh, yeah. on my arm. So. <laughs> right, I was right. a huge fan of the Deadline stuff, you know, trades I'd always get from the UK. Um, yeah. Huge Tank Girl fan, and then I saw the movie and i was just yeah Blech. um no but i was you know and also it, it kind of goes back the stuff on my list had to do with me growing up this the first things that i got or the first things that i loved i was really into classical music mm-hmm. and a lot of that had to do with amadeus oh, oh that is oh, such just, a good movie i watched that just non-stop they just added that on netflix by the way if you're listening guys check Gotta that watch, out and watch you that know, excellent the, film this the soundtrack i just listened to death i watched the movie to death uh same thing at the, around kind of the same time was um but this has to do with rock is flash gordon soundtrack with queen Queen like i was saying before is you know it's i think that was my first real introduction uh to queen mine was Um, highlander yeah me too i I love it same here yeah you know i heard to live forever i had i had friends who would get the 45s of like another one bites of dust right and things like that but i just thought they were just kind of quirky little music music numbers because they they kind of changed up their their sound now and again but flash gordon for me from like top to bottom is just a masterpiece and especially because kind of around that time i was like wanting to play electric guitar you know and it's because kind of getting into the, the punk stuff at the time and um boy yeah, i just i love just the the musicianship on that same with dune the dune soundtrack the toto soundtrack mm-hmm. well oh, and just so operatic and just you get toto massive. for most of it and then you get one great brian eno song too oh yeah that's when right yeah yeah, yeah yeah when he's riding the uh sandworm i think that it's called something like the 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 sandworm writing theme right. or something mm-hmm. but you know uh incredible you know yeah, and, and, so oh, yeah yeah right. and i do love i do love the the dune the dune soundtrack with toto i'm sh- i don't i can't imagine how 
how David Lynch feels about that particular soundtrack because it's not anything like uh, any of his other films in terms of like the Angelo Badlamente stuff no. or the yeah, and he doesn't, he doesn't another talk about Dune very often well, yeah, but, I know he hates well, the film I, just, I know there's like a four hour version that's closer to what he like wanted to see that came out on Laserdisc in Japan but I'm sure yeah. that's still not like the deleted Julie Cruz songs or whatever yeah. right? you know well, I can tell you <laughs> yeah, you'll such... never hear crying the same <laughs> yeah. ever in your life right, so it's right. like right exactly I was such a huge Dune fan I read the book in fifth grade. I worshiped the book. Mm, I actually, yeah. for a little while, I told people to call me Paul. Oh, <laughs> so I, I was really, what really you? like I was like really deep. This into is a it. safe place, Adam. It that's is one of my. Oh, the, gosh, you're not going to get. It. You're not going to get made fun of at all by me because I, I. Oh no, I'm amongst friends. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I can, I can, you know, rightly admit to all this stuff. Uh, I did have the Japanese laserdisc that I had imported. It uh-huh. cost me three hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my god! Back in the day when it wow. came out, when I worked Whoa. at Down in the valley my friend james bloomfield who is our import buyer got it for me and i just like worship him to this day uh for that uh that that version that's on there it's not exactly four hours it's a little bit less um is also available on dvd i think oh, i can't get I it they I did it. they did release it again you know but it's exactly the same they put in the, the exact same amount of stuff yeah um might have been some stuff they didn't i put just in thought just i just remember thinking that it had like a different structure because i know the version i always think of dune is the one that starts with Virginia Madsen doing right. No, they they changed they changed the intro. Yeah, and then the rest of it was just all extended. Okay, scenes, and and some omitted scenes yeah. just for pacing and I guess you know being congruent or whatever. But. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you had to walk that was in just a like thing a, in the eighties when there was a movie and the studios were convinced it would make no sense. They would just put a tag at the beginning that didn't tie into the rest of the movie, which sure. didn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, so Big Trouble in Little China has the exact same thing with the little scene with the lawyer and Egg Chen. It's a cool little scene, but like it sets the whole movie in the past, and then it doesn't make sense because the closing tag is Jack Burton in the now. Just one of those things that always bugged yeah, me. Yeah, Buckaroo Banzai does yeah. that too. Uh, I'm going to skip around. I mean, there's so many different things. You know, I talk about a fabulous disaster. There was another one where it's like the, well, I don't know. This, this might, this is kind of like teetering on that line. Maximum Overdrive with ACDC doing the entire soundtrack, mm. even though it, I don't think anything was original on that. I was think it? that was probably like one of those things where they were trying to like, oh, well, Queen worked really well with Flash Gordon. Let's try it with another band like that. It was so far after that. No, no, but the- I, it, it, to me, it's like that was the idea. But I, I don't had. know what's because they King do hide. If you watch the trailer for Maximum Overdrive, they they do mention the soundtrack oh yeah ACDC. no that's a big thing yeah, yeah. it was a big point at yeah. that it's interesting that stephen king also put the ramones so heavily in uh pet cemetery that's oh, yeah. that's one of those the, those connections i think is like brilliant though because like you uh, you was so pet cemetery one is a really good movie which excellent movie excellent, excellent it's one of the best too. stephen king movies and it has like one of the like least like almost everybody didn't dale midkiff and denise they didn't go on to do anything else uh even miko hughes like, fred gwynn is the only name in that movie but everybody did a really solid acting job and that, it tells you a lot that like i can name the whole cast of that movie off the top right. of my head <laughs> 
But that but, that Ramon song just it's it. But not just I mean the song they wrote, but I mean that you know there are other Ramon songs you know on the truck driver. Sure, you know sure. it's this kind of thing. But he he is I mean he's played in bands. I mean he's always emphasized like I said it is that fifties sixties rock and roll thing. I mean you right. know obviously work with Reiner on the Stand by Me. Mm-hmm. I love the It miniseries is one of my favorites, and oh, yeah. I always will go to those songs and am very you know the classic um, doo wop you know kind of stuff that's on there a lot of the great 45s i do think that stand by me is like one of the seminal 80s movie soundtracks oh like, without sure. it yeah i mean Absolutely. completely revitalizing the obviously the benny king song mm-hmm. but i mean just that it's just got a great feel across the board i mean a lot of those songs it wasn't even just that i mean that's one of those ones where they sing like the um uh, what do you call it? have gun will travel theme song and it's like right, right. I'm like what the hell is that like and my father you know told me what it was you know I but I didn't know you know it's interesting how films kind of do that um, work on but King has always been you know is a huge music fan and I think most of his films in some way I mean I think Maximum Overdrive obviously was he's freely admitted in numerous interviews how unbelievably alcoholic he was throughout the whole shoot and couldn't even be you know at all cohesive but I think later films it really works he also I mean and you know just great stuff that they they did um you know, so I've I've always been a huge fan of a lot of those. I mean, I love the Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. score, so it's just one of those ones too that. Um, well, that and, to, and to go on the on the Ramones, yeah, um, you have Rock and Roll High School. Yeah, Fantastic. that's true. Just Getting so into, great. Yeah, and then you you think to yourself, well, I don't know, I I never watched it with the commentary or anything like. That. I don't know like a whole lot about it, but was that for the Ramones? Is that a Ramones vehicle? No, I think it was. A, it's a Roger Corman movie. Oh, it is. That's yeah. Right. yeah, it is. A so I think movie. it's just they were able to get the Ramones cheap and just yeah, built the whole say, movie around. The Corman, said, what can the we Corman, do with yeah, your right. catalog yeah. of music? Yeah, but, but I think that those were songs that were new. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Oh, you're for, not talking a long that film. They haven't been that long time of band, so right. they were able right. to to do that. I mean. You know, I, but that that was the point too. There was a lot of films in the late seventies, early eighties with the um, that had heavy punk and new wave scores. I mean, my favorite being Repo Man. I mean, it sure. is absolutely yeah. one of the most perfect. Right. Um, you that's know, got scores. A, that what's the Danzig song on on Repo Man? That it's like a formation that he uh, he never employed oh, again. It's Sam um, Hain. It's Sawin, yeah. Yeah. Sawin. And then there's, um, but I mean, like Black Flag, I had never heard of. I mean, at that point in time, I mean, a lot of the bands I got into punk wise were through um, things like that, where it was like I had never heard of. Well, and um, then the Circle Jerk song just kind of threw you for a loop because yeah. that's <laughs> definitely not a lounge group. Yeah. <laughs> well, I loved uh, I got into the Circle Jerks from the movie Thrashing. Yeah. They had Wild oh, in the yeah. Streets. I'm like, right. God, this song right. is so good. Right. And the live Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. I, it's, to me, that was one of the funnier things back when I lived in California. I went out with this uh, girl named Hannah for a while, and her dad was like the bassist in the Circle Jerks at the time that, that's in the movie Repo Man. I never got around to actually meeting him because I just thought it would be too weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's another one too. Speaking of Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's funny when you're talking about Flash Gordon stuff. I mean, how big Wayne's World was in terms of introducing Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, it is yeah, that, one of the most yeah, integral yeah. scenes. But I love that one for the Ballroom Blitz cover. Um, even my my mother loved it the second Dreamweaver came on. But it's like <laughs> yeah. it's a great mix. The uh, the fire cover and stuff like that. The whole 
thing, but that one had some some excellent songs on it too. Um, so then, what about like the film? So you have like the Ramones that have like a, you know, it's like their vehicle and it's like their songs, and the Ramones are the Ramones. But then, it, I guess the first one that popped in my mind, you have like Josie and the Pussycats. It's not a real band, but uh-huh. the whole soundtrack is like set up like this is a real band. Well, it's the well um, now they got like a they the made like a Cleo yeah the uh, letters, yeah, to, Cleo letters Cleo to Cleo super and they had Matthew yeah. Sweet and they yeah. Had, I love that soundtrack. I don't think it's a great film. I think that's an awesome movie. And like people will be like, what? No, that movie is meta on so many levels. levels. Just making fun of like the whole, the whole movie is making fun of product placement, but you'll never see a movie that has more product placement than Josie and the Pussycats. And they didn't get paid for any of it. No, none of the product placement. Yeah. It's like when she's, when Tara Reese taking a shower and there's like McDonald's curtains and everything. It's like, what? (laughs) It's like just, it's random, crazy and, I saw that movie. Placement. I think I was the only man in the entire theater. Same here. And people were just the the girls who were there watching the teenage girls were just like, "What the hell is going on?" I'm like, just, "Oh, it's I'm just dying it's subversive." My it's favorite fun. line in the whole yeah. movie is the. Uh, why are you here to Parker Posey? Because I'm in the, the comic. <laughs> that's just, oh God, that's just so clever. It's great. I, I um, it's a great, gen- it's a great generally love that, but it's, um, I think that that film, I mean, like three small words, I wanted to cover that song in a band. I mean, but it's just, it's one of those ones. That's probably one of the last, uh, as you're kind of talking about, is a, a vehicle, whether it's a real band or it's imagined band. I mean, I don't think till kind of like, the whole kind of glee era nobody was really sure. talking about that kind of idea in films or television anymore right. i mean the whole musical thing has been really reborn um i will say one of my i mean i love some of the classic stuff i i despite a lot of the people involved i think rocky or picture show is incredible okay. i think richard o'brien <laughs> wrote one of the most intelligent thoughtful has a great cast great vocals um just very and very of course integrated. i mean is the story in the film it's one of the perfect pacings between the two but i love um and i do love another hot topic starter one of course <laughs> nightmare before christmas but i love danny elfman sure yeah and so it's it is what it is but i think the other ones there's been newer stuff too that i'm really excited about i uh, although the film was not perfect, I love Chillerama, especially the I was a teenager. Yeah, not bear perfect second. is a very nice <laughs> way of addressing. But I think the um the I was a teenage werebear is incredible. Like the the total fifties, you know, sock hop musical. Oh, well, Psycho Beach Party uh, is Beach Party. really yeah, on great. the same yeah. lines as that. So there's a lot of good stuff like that. I also think um I'm my favorite musical. I I, I have yet to fully get immersed in the Book of Mormon. I know a lot of people are going to be like oh it's the best but um i know adam will agree with me at least to some degree is the um the evil dead the musical is yeah. just i mean catchy really catchy. fun in, informed intelligent just absolutely perfect i probably burned that cd out because <laughs> i listened to it so much so i mean and that's you know very on another level too taking an established property you know and that became a big thing in the um you know in the 90s and on spider-man the musical oh yeah yeah. i never actually i never i never heard anything what was it called turn 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 off off the the dark with you two or whatever yeah yeah what well that was the second incarnation wasn't it of the they do the first spider-man 
thing and then the dude got killed in a wire well, I think that was accident. all the same that was the and the, then they redid it which I guess there was never a movie of no that because it if was, you go to conventions <laughs> you can get it like a you know steady cam like some guy snuck in a camera I gotta throw out real quick to go back to the repo man thing I I, I was freaking out because I was like no I know I'm t- I was thinking of less than zero. Oh yeah the, uh, oh yeah I was thinking of the uh, D- Glenn Danzig, Danzig and the, and the, and the power, power and fury or Orchestra, orchestra where yeah. he's doing his total that was awesome Roy, dark elvis roy, roy orbison dark <laughs> elvis, elvis thing, thing. Yeah. yeah i was kind of like i don't remember what you're talking about but no, you know it's, it's one of those ones where my adult that was, brain no less than zero that's, great. that's one of those things about glenn danzig that makes me really sad how he had this like awesome crooning singing singing voice and like he totally blew his voice out well like, you can hear on all those this is getting a little off topic i'll do it quick you can hear on all those ruben uh recorded albums that he just wants him to do scary elvis stuff, yeah you know he's pushing more and more and that he's fading off the distortion on the guitars a little bit and it's like more over anyway yeah. well, but it no, is no no it's it's you can go it, on does danzig does danzig have are there any just danzig soundtracks i can't believe in all the things he's done he well, never he did, he, well he did black aria which was yeah like his it was synth- a concept album concept yeah. was it t- yeah. but was it tied to but some it wasn't sort of it wasn't no. tied to anything it's specific. just like it's it seems like terrible a terrible comic yeah. book no it's his like kind of like uh, like yeah it's his aria he's trying to do this classical sure, sure. thing it's yeah, yeah on it, keyboards yeah but it isn't what you're talking about the rube and the american recording stuff was him trying to do almost like hey let's get you into this johnny cash oh yeah later elvis oh that's you exactly know, kind of, what it kind is of mood yeah. like roy orbison you know as a guy it's funny when we were talking i just mentioned the the crying thing you know it's the sure. lynch connection but i mean roy orbison i watched a documentary on him a while ago and I grew up with Roy Orbison. He's one of my father's favorites. He's one of my favorite vocalists of all time. And he's one of those guys who had a voice. They talk about a lot when he recorded that he literally, it was, it looked like he was whispering into the mic, right. but it would just come out like, you know, so fill the room mm-hmm. yeah, and you just, watch him in performances and stuff. And it's like Danzig, I think could have had a voice like that. Um, you know, if he had developed it more and stuff, but I mean, there's parts on like, um, I was always, my favorite's always been how the gods kill is oh, yeah. my favorite. Oh Danzig yeah. Record. That's a really good, um, I like that song a lot. Yeah. Too. And he's, um, you know, in like the left hand black, especially I always think that's really like the full on bombast. Like yeah, that's back when he could sing. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like, you can hear those elements, on it but yeah that's another weird one not to care too much but it's interesting too that cleopatra records was another one that i remember adding i can't think of off the top of my head because i'm not sound just but soundtrack but output give yeah. to like soundtracks and stuff like that well, just just to stay on like the roy orbison True. thing like that's one of the things i really like about david lynch how he's like a big orbison fan like how he works that into like blue velvet or even in mulholland drive when he has rebecca del rio do that cover of crying in spanish Yorando. right Right. Yeah. Well, I think that Lynch is one of the uh, a great example of somebody who, uh, and Tarantino does this too. I think you know, in a Tarantino movie, often the most violent scene will be soundtracked by sort of the most uh, sugary pop song or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. The contrast. The and the contrast. And Lynch does that where he takes this. Uh, you know, that's like Lynch's whole vibe is this idyllic, you know, sort of fifties uh, Americana thing with this terrifying undercurrent right below the surface and. So so when he's doing stuff like you know having Roy Orbison or, or 
what is the tears of a clown or whatever you know it's like there's always that element of like foreboding darkness there's, there's weird ones like i grew up i'm from washington the state of washington like seattle and stuff i will say literally the twin peaks theme is what seattle feels like what sure. washington feels like if you've never been there i mean i don't think anything is more like it, it just in in completely the essence of and, a, of a place the pacific northwest is the twin peaks theme and that soundtrack is is just incredible yeah it's another one i know? wanted to talk about which yeah. we can which we can you know you can talk about the uh obviously the 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 television show but then firewalk with me as well does chris isaac do any music in it I no know he actually it. doesn't he just but he's acts. another guy who ended up david bowie's firewalk right? with me too doesn't sing or anything you're right you're right it's still just the angelo badlamente yeah. stuff that's a one sorry uh, just because you started talking about uh mall holland i was thinking of lost highway another one i really liked recently and i've really enjoyed their stuff was victor um in this podcast really got me into gone girl i love the resner uh i'm sorry atticus ross atticus ross yeah that yeah. score is just incredible <laughs> for like newer people i really like newer stuff because i think people always reference the older stuff but like the evil dead remake had an awesome one the conjuring like a lot of well, those just good. just because you just reminded me of it and i don't want to lose the thought please john wick has like uh, the new incarnation of Marilyn Manson, where it's just him and Tyler Bates, and it sounds like a blues band. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm like, I like, I almost want to say like to Marilyn Manson, just do that from now on. Right. Just- I thought that's what this new album was, was supposed to be leaning yeah. towards, but. In terms of yeah, newer films. I mean the the Resner Atticus Ross stuff. I gotta. I mean, I guess I liked. Um, I haven't seen Gone Girl, but I have heard the soundtrack, and mm-hmm. uh, I only saw The Social Network once, but I've listened to the soundtrack a lot more. I mean, I think uh, that's a great. Uh, those guys are killing it right now. They're doing such a good job. Um, that's the best. I gotta say, that's the best incarnation of Nine Inch Nails ever. That yeah. might be heresy, like oh no, but no, I think the two of them are just. That's I think it. in terms, it's just very subliminal. Yeah, yeah, what it yeah. Is. Well, I mean, there's sort of uh, depending on how you know what kind of music you, or, or the mood you're in or, or what you want to listen to. Um, a lot of times, there's crossover between uh, you know the ambient things that I like to listen to and soundtrack music because yeah. obviously ambient music serves uh, mostly to set a mood or um, kind of manipulate your personal space in terms of like you wanting to be soothed or something like that. Well, yeah. Cause, um, like 10 years ago or so, like Trent Reznor did like, uh, he gave these away free on his website at the time. He did these four concept albums called ghosts. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's basically just, you know, ambient music. It's basically a basic precursor into a soundtrack work. Right. Which I think you listen to that soundtrack stuff from Atticus Ross and, and Reznor, mm-hmm. and you can draw lines back to like, um, uh, Blade Runner in a lot of yeah. ways, which is one of my favorite soundtracks. A soundtrack that could exist just like the film in like, there's like nine different versions of I it. I know. You know. And it's crazy. We're like an hour and a half into this and we haven't even <laughs> talked about like Vangelis at uh, Vangelis, all. I was going <laughs> to say, my other, the other big one, I mean, of course, that I thought about too instantly was um, Tangerine Dream. Yeah. Well, I who so, just do, like, I mean, it's like, it's crazy how many they've done. When I think of, when I think of that stuff, I mean, uh, I, I imagined that at some point, and I'm sure maybe we will we were gonna bring up goblin you know oh yeah goblin is my next one 
considering so, we just saw Suspiria like right, two yeah, days you ago. Know, which is the, <laughs> it's somebody I read some review and it was interesting. They talked about it. They go, it is the loudest score ever. You know, how right, unbelievably right. cranked. And I got the advantage of seeing Goblin um, on their first U.S. tour at um, uh, the Egyptian in L.A., and they play when they i saw them two nights in a row they showed deep red the first night is the film after the show in original print and then tenebrae or what in the order somehow there and um my god it blades the spirit which is my favorite goblin song it, it, it just unbelievable how how hard it hit like it starts off and then it just yeah. i mean kills it oh yeah i can't i can't picture suspiria working as well as it does without goblin like i can't it that right like i mean obviously like argento has it's it's a like i feel like suspiria you kids like shoot me if you think i'm off base it's very much almost like a david lynch movie where like it's a very loose narrative like sure, sure. you know i mean if you didn't have Susie banyan thinking out loud you'd be like what is this movie actually about right, right. you know but it's the movie it's the music the score in that movie that really keeps you you know off kilter and everything especially the weird tribal drumming it breaks into in certain parts and just like you know where you have claudio simonetti just going you know (laughs) well it's also the color palette in that film just so perfectly matches the dark undertones of the score but i mean you know i mean we can go on and on i mean it's uh, one of the things that i'm gonna lose my train of thought if i don't but one of the great ones you said about contrast about imagery is you know you talk about like i said i had mentioned earlier like there's a theme and there's a score and stuff like that there's one for me that uh, it's very short but it's always worked really well is um, on that contrast concept is Campbell Holocaust. Oh, which yeah. If I ever get married, it will be the first <laughs> dance of my wedding. I want to that that theme. It it brings almost <laughs> tears to my eyes how beautiful it is, but then how um discordant and just jarring the rest of the score is sure is is just it's it, oh god it like hurts <laughs> and then it's like i was looking over at adam and well, thinking about we're both all i think everybody here is but i know adam and i huge um hellraiser fans to right. me that's a very soothing score i always enjoy uh, listening to young yeah. the christopher young score. i mean i i know there's people too who want to talk about the coil one as well but it's like I mean, Christopher Young is another one of those people. I mean, there's so many. I think horror has the most underrated folks, the most underrated composers, especially when you're talking about your love of classical music with Mm -hmm. Amadeus. I mean, that's where I got in. I mean, if I get like Frizzy's like title theme for like House by the Cemetery or something. Well, there's a guy like one of my three favorite composers definitely is Richard Band, who most people don't talk about, who did Reanimator and Puppet Master. But Puppet Master is what introduced me really to the waltz. I mean, yeah, I grew up with it right. in classical music and stuff, but it is, it's that, it's so perfect in that. I mean, I could go on forever. I, oh, you're I have, missing the juggernaut. I have two, yeah, well, we're going to get Carpenter. Don't worry. We'll, okay. we'll get there. Yeah, it's, there's it, there's a lot we have is not that our hit closer? on here. Yeah, I, well, it's, or, <laughs> you know, there's a lot be. of them. We, I think we got all the classics, the well, Williams Well, I mean, there's, there's another a little, like, subway we could or subset we could get into really quick before we completely get out of like the 90s and everything but um i think one guy who i think doesn't get enough credit also for like doing the soundtrack that like in gets people into music is Zack snyder at least his first few movies like the dawn of the dead 2004 
uh, remake has an excellent soundtrack, but I think that's one of those movies that really introduced, I think, Johnny Cash to like a whole new generation of people with the man comes around with that really interesting, like, uh, just the best intro intros of all time. Oh yeah. And he did that for at least two more movies or no. Yeah. He also did that for Watchmen, um, with Bob Dylan, the times they are changing. Mm -hmm. Was it? Was it times they are changing? Yeah. Yes. Does, is is all along the watchtower in there at some point as well? Um, because I could have swore that it was. But no, there's I, an alternate version. Okay. I think on the director's cut where it's all along. He changed it because originally he wanted all along the watchtower, but in the original version, it's it times time, they are changing. Which is also, I mean, that works perfectly in, in the context of that film for sure. Yeah. Right. But um, at the same time, uh, the company that produced uh, Dawn of the Dead, Strike Entertainment, also did the um hills have eyes remake and they did like a similar thing with the intro to the, to that movie too um i don't remember what actually what exact song it was during the intro to that but um it was the same kind of formula and then for the hills have eyes too they got um devendra barnhart to do like uh they got the permission to use insect eyes for okay, the trailer. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that, I think that was when I first started listening to Devendra Barnhart got me into a lot of that, like kind of like, you know, music that's sort of in that vein, like animal collective and like a neo hippie sort sure. of music. Sure. The neo hippie thing was, yeah. was huge. And then also uh, there's some of that, the, the inverse of that or whatever would be the, the post hippie stuff where there were all sorts of weirdo uh, songwriters who ended up on, uh, on horror soundtracks i'm thinking a little bit of the last house on the left the original um oh david has this stuff yeah with like the yeah i mean and there's like some stuff on it that's like uh yeah you would think banjo runs and stuff you know (laughs) i mean i think you didn't know victor actually did the uh layout for the uh one way one way static reissue yeah yeah uh, last house yeah it's amazing which which is awesome yeah it's, it's a fantastic you did a great job with that and it's an awesome piece of uh i mean like I but gotta, that's interesting gotta, that a guy like uh, uh sorry not to no. cut off, but that's interesting that a guy like uh Craven would do that in an era where he was still part of a scene. You know, you gotta wonder where him and Sean Cunningham were coming right. from in Last House on the Left, where it's like you were expecting like a Bernard Harriman or a Comita score or something like sure. that, like something very classic for a movie like that, and they completely went in the opposite direction. Right, which is very I mean contemporary. I gotta be honest, like I don't I don't even particularly enjoy watching the film. But no, I, but it's, I, but it's enjoy, hard to watch. But I enjoy the soundtrack. Yeah. I enjoy. I mean, I, I recognize the value of the film, and I and I have you know I do I recognize its its importance. But I don't I don't I'm not gonna put it on. But I might put on that soundtrack yeah. with the weird synth squiggles and then like bizarre loner country folk <laughs> stuff going on. Well, that's because it's got so many weird like interludes. Oh like, yeah, the yeah, comedic yeah. interludes, especially with oh, uh, what's yeah, his yeah, name? yeah. Martin Crow, the Dutch from Karate Kid. Yeah, when yeah. you remove so weird. Martin Crow, yeah. Martin Crow. Yeah. yeah if you even remove it from watching the film with it it, it stands on its own as this bizarre mm. bizarrely comedic thing you know well, for that, sure. that was like uh, natural born killers natural born killers is another which was like kind of like a standalone soundtrack but with all these like clips like thrown in yeah in that was another song. good like trent Reznor. like oh, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, he was, I, yeah. I love i do like when when the soundtrack um the score or uh occasionally the you know the motion picture soundtracks where it's artists assembled i i do occasionally like when the dialogue is thrown in it mm. works especially well in in dead man uh the neil young jim jarmusch movie where you've got johnny depp and uh 
I forget the name of the Native American guy who who says like it's great. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that it's uh, on the opposite of the spectrum, but I've always loved uh, Clerks. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a great soundtrack, yeah. and then also excellent um, dialogue. That, that has my in. favorite like Soul Asylum song on it. Yeah, was yeah. Clerks? Uh, Clerk? Did Clerks have the the Nerf Herder song, or yes. am I thinking yeah. of uh, okay. Clerks? Yeah. Okay, because I get that mixed up with the Mall Rats sometimes, which had a great weezer song if i remember angus also had a great weezer Ang- song no that's what i'm thinking yeah of. Angus, angus i always think of green day yeah i mean they had the big that was their big thing but i think yeah. the weezer song on it might have been uh, either suzanne 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 which is one of like the great lost weezer classics mm-hmm. that ended yeah. up on angus which another again that's a that's a film where it certainly wasn't as massively influential as say something like a garden state but the music does serve as an extension mm-hmm. of the the film's vibe or its theme you know um i guess i have to admit before we before we i promise not to bring up garden state anymore i feel like i brought up garden state like nine times it is such it was such a massive thing it was such a massive hit in terms of defining not just that film but a whole aesthetic for people like you said it was it was the ipod music it was itunes it was sort of like the beginning of what has now become hipster culture. You well, know? I think it really started with the movie Zach Braff did after that. I can't remember the title of it right now, unfortunately, but it's him and he, uh, he's like about to marry an act. Uh, yeah. Just in the Barrett. And then he cheats on her with, uh, this chick. A grapefruit. <laughs> yeah. Great. No, the ch- it's chick from the OC. Just I can't remember. I just like how you, whenever no, you, no, but like basically like it's a terrible movie and it tries to make, uh, Zach Brass sympathetic by playing off like the goodwill he had from like garden state at the time. And it's just, Oh my God, he's such a shitty character, but it has like the hipster soundtrack. So you can, well, like, you know, you're on board with his ennui and then she yeah. takes him back, even though she's pregnant just, and you get the feelings just because she's pregnant. And it's like, I remember watching the movie. I'm like, man, yeah, this movie's really lame and well and i mean i think like with something like garden state like i uh i guess i don't remember i'm not i'm not it's not all coming back to me i know the iron and wine cover of the postal service is in that and i think that's actually a, a fairly uh pleasant reading of that song but in general uh the shins uh, another band that i i think actually uh i really i enjoy those early shins records natalie portman's character is of course insufferable not even her (laughs) fault i mean that's like bad writing you know and zach braff's character she serves what she's the the typical manic pixie Pixie dream dream girl girl. she doesn't serve any purpose other than to redeem zach braff who is insufferable i mean there's nothing redeemable about his character he's got this like this oh man i'm staring into the void of the nothingness but it's like there's there's nothing there for you well and if you rewatch it you, there's a lot of stuff going on there like she has like the basically she has grand mal seizures and she's like in a delicate position at the end he, she's like please stay with me and he's like no i have to go find myself but i'll be so much better once i come back and then he leaves and it cuts to the scene of natalie portman crying hysterically and he doesn't decide to come back until he's like halfway up the escalator and then he comes back and he's like hey i changed my mind we're gonna be together 
mother, but she's still crying. And it's a terrible ending. And you're supposed to think it's romantic, but it's really like, oh my God, this girl was like basically suicidal a minute ago. Right. And he, uh, yeah, he, that's a, it's a terrible. That's and, the part where you jump in and save her. That's what the viewer is supposed to have. Yeah, oh it's, God. It's, well, and it, it uh, had me. I, I will. I promise. But it's, it's so out of care. It's, that's one of the big problems. The script It's really out of characters the whole time you think like she's really self-confident she's helping him find uh, himself yeah well i mean it's the, the whole problem and how is i i what i believe it will sort of relate to the soundtrack okay is that the idea is <laughs> like yes very well, no, skeptical I, I'm here laughing because it's so funny how much you've talked about us and i literally cannot remember this movie except no. for her helmet all right. yeah, she's, that's she's got that's a helmet she's got an ipod I remember the Vespa. and i yeah. have not watched this movie i know that in 2004 or sorry 2014 he put out another film mm-hmm. that was supposed to be like the spiritual uh, sequel to, to the Kickstarter one the Kickstarter yeah. one that uh, that it, it, as if the films alone didn't make you just absolutely despise this guy this super rich Hollywood dude Kickstarter to film you know mm-hmm. to uh, put out another terrible soundtrack well and, and so the idea of the soundtrack is unfortunately um, that film came to represent and that music came to represent this whole kind of vapid very uh very inward gazing it's and it's not that i even have a problem with inward gazing films where like no. the idea is like uh, it's not that i have a problem with a, a sort of even unlikable character maybe coming to uh eventually being redeemed over the course of the film it's just in that movie He's redeemed at the end, and there's no work leading up to the process. No, that's the same thing <laughs> with the movie I was the entire, talking about. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's it's the last kiss, by the way. I looked it up. Uh, okay. <laughs> All Another right. one I've never and even so, heard of. And so somehow, unfortunately or not, you know, the soundtrack became, uh, I think, sort of uh, ingrained. People, when they think of that soundtrack... Uh, they probably think about well. I think when a lot of people they just like it. They, they, it it's Starbucks. But, that, but that's that I mean. Vibe, well, that's also know? like your Hunger Games and Divergence and stuff like that are big. Right, right. But then there's like oddball ones. Like speaking of people who can sing really well, uh, Jennifer Lawrence doesn't she sing in the the Hunger Games thing? Yeah, yeah Mockingjay Part One. It's, yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's a really haunting little folk thing. It's uh, I I. She's, I don't know the exact song, but it's kind of like along the lines of Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. Okay, yeah. It's not that song, but it's a song very much. Yeah, it's very, uh, Her sound, her, the soundtracks, the, 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 she's, there's a lot of, uh, what, her earlier one, um, Winter's Bone had an incredible Yeah, Winter's Bone had a great time. It was a great film, and that was very, my introduction to her. Me it's too. It's funny that when you talk about her, like, you know, she's got that score, it's kind of like funny to think of all these people like Scarlett Johansson, like, oh, hey, how's, how's your career going musically? Like, you know, like the the whole Tom Waits thing, but you know she. She's I, got a brand new song with the Haim, oh. with the members of Haim. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> I don't well, know, no, but I mean, no, I didn't mean it like just as like. Sure, but what sure. I mean is, it's like interesting though. Like certain people, like that's a another dimension to, to quick mention is is the whole thing where like the star or the uh you know or members of the cast become a part of it and it's not a musical it would it's be to it's to add into the it's like the yeah. wayne's world thing with uh oh Tia i just thought of a perfect one for that uh martha marcy may marlene and how it has um god what's his name john 
I'll look it up right now. But he's an actor. If, if you've seen Eastbound and Down, he's the one who plays Danny McBride's brother. But he had a song on the soundtrack. Right, right. Well, I mean, I don't... I don't and it I, was excellent. And it was all, used all through... And I guess he does, like, country music songs. I'm going to look or that like up. Or, like, Last House talk. on the Left, speaking yeah. of which. So you've, got, so you've got some that seem, like, natural. When Last House on the Left was probably because... You know, he was there and they knew him to be uh, sure. a musician, but it's also because, hey, that's it's like the Corman thing we talked about. It's in, in a lot of those days, it was the way you saved on. You either give somebody a chance who has never done right, something right. before as a score or a soundtrack, um, you know, if you're looking to cost cut or you... You know, you have to have. No, I, I I personally don't like films that have a star in the film and they have like the the top song in it. Wait, you don't Especially like, like Men you know, in like, Black? With Will oh, Smith. Well, so you see, now that's a wild, perfect wild example West. of just wow. how how annoying Jason it bringing is. The, the knowledge here, <laughs> the just, things oh, we're trying to gosh, forget. Yeah, you just pinpointed yeah. it for me. And I, uh, I, I, by I, the way, it was John Hawks. I John was, Hawks. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. He is great. No, I, I I don't really mean to imply that I love the Wild Wild West or Men in Black. I do love Men I in do Black. Like all right, movies, all right, right. Here's the perfect example. But the Will Smith doesn't, you know. Eminem and Eight Mile. Yeah, yeah, lose yourself yeah. is pretty much. But that was a film but where no. I mean, it's his life story. Yeah, basically. yeah. See, no, that served a purpose. What I'm talking, Men in Black didn't have anything to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, like, so, like when J Lo is in a movie and there's a J Lo. Yeah. Sure. Or Madonna's okay. in a movie and there's Madonna. Who's that girl? Or desperately seeking. You know, season. right? Did she even have one? The Dick Tracy one too. Yeah. yeah she oh, did. she had the whole she sub did. soundtrack. Yeah, that, was yeah. the whole, that was the whole. She yeah, was yeah. Dick and Tracy. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson's a good example because while her oh, songs haven't been in necessarily the movies, I mean, I, I can't imagine Scarlett Johansson launches an even a semi-successful music career without Who is the she strength recording with? Of, uh, of Lost in Translation or, uh, you know, which has an incredible soundtrack and she's like, uh, and she's uh, associated with it. So it's got Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine plus great uh, uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, yeah. you know, well, you all this great stuff. And that's, so she's associated with that and then she gets to work with the TV on the radio guys or Pete Yorn. That's who I was thinking a, of. You know, to do a thing. Or even, now, even hanging. on the lighter side, or I mean, I guess kind of like a threadbare. You know, I mean, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt put out a record. <laughs> I was actually going to yeah. say the uh, the can't hardly wait is another soundtrack that people really love. That, that I always know a party soundtrack. Man, yeah. that yeah, is a good one. I love it. That and that and two hundred cigarettes and uh, which I think which there's one a had? film no one remembers. But yes, a, I don't remember the film. No, soundtrack. Yeah. Do. No, it's one of the few New Year's Eve movies. Weirdly, is it? yeah, two hundred cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, what oh was, no 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 wait I'm, 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 no we are thinking of Spring Break. Is that what you're talking about? No no two hundred cigarettes. All right, which it, is the Jim Jarmish one about cigarettes? Uh, that is a uh, coffee. That's, coffee that's it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Two hundred cigarettes is one of the only New Year's Eve movies. Yeah, you're right. I, uh, yeah, I don't remember the film, but I had the soundtrack, and it had awesome, uh, great covers of of '90s bands doing. Uh, I think Harvey Danger covered something that I really like. Somebody that covered Save It for Later. Well, di- Disturbing Behavior had the, uh, or wait, is that the the hand, the Possessed Hand movie? No, no that's, that's Idle Hands. hands. Disturbing Behavior is the one that had, had the they're flies. paranoid, they're paranoid, they're coming to get you. Flagpole Sitter. Sitter. That's Flagpole Sitter, but it also had the flies, the uh, Got You Where I Want You. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. Which, yeah. That was the big that song That was the big one with uh, Katie Holmes in the video. You're right. But it, I mean, there was a big part of that too, but, um, 
You know, it's weird that we were talking about, though. It's funny because we kind of went, when we started, we talked about like the classics, like your John Williams, just to shift gears quickly as we're winding down. But Briefly. Briefly. Very briefly. We're running we talk- long. This yeah. is going to be a double. You're probably listening to the second or third part right now. No <laughs> doubt. But the, um, the interesting part, though, is, is that... You know, your John Williams and, um, you know, the P- Alan Silvestri and stuff, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, uh, all the big, big names of the 70s, 80s. And we're not even talking into the Bernard Herrmann, uh, Max Steiner kind of folks. But I think. I know we could spend a lot of time, time talking about Bernard. You know, forget all the Hitchcock movies, Vertigo. Right. Taxi Driver. You can go on and on and on. But it's interesting now that I don't think of many people in the last 10, 15 years who made a score of that caliber. But it's one that I really thought about. I was like, what score really got to me that's not horror? Because I'm just, I'm sacrificing. We're going to have to do like a horror po- score podcast because I could go on for like three or four hours. But what I really well, do... Well, just, just before I cut you yeah, off, go ahead. just uh, Disaster Pieces score for It Follows. Awesome. Awesome. Check yeah, it out. All I right. do, and I love the guest and I loved... Um, so there's some really good modern stuff and classics. Some of the ones we both have all mentioned. But um, I was really thinking about like what score really got to me. And, it, you know, because he, he is one of the people who did do some, um, you know, great stuff because he did um, what you call it, Sounds of Lambs and stuff. But um, Howard Shore's score for... Um, the first, the Lord of the Rings films, The mm-hmm. Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King really gets to me. Uh, for how long those movies are, those scores, it's just perfect yeah. cues everywhere. And they're just so achingly beautiful and and triumphant and stuff. It's like that bombast that I, I probably well, yeah, use that word to, way too much. Yeah, to help create that whole world. Yeah, yeah but it some. literally is, is that world. And I just don't think enough people talk about that now. I mean... I mean, besides like the Enya song and stuff like that, and a few other ones, but even like the, um, you know, uh, his song. Uh, sorry, off the top of my head, the uh, what he sings is they're going to battle and um, not Mary Pippin. Right, does the one really? I mean, that's just like oh god, that just kills me almost yeah. every time. But everything in that film, like I love those films, but that people would ask me why and i'm like the score is a huge part of it i will say one of the things i thought was really interesting about those is uh requiem for a dream clint mansell did the score for that and he had that epic theme like and then they had howard shore do a version of it for one of the trailers for i think the two towers and like it's like really epic and a lot of people just think that's a howard shore song oh wow yeah Hmm. interesting well, I think, because uh, I don't know how much longer we want this to roll, but at some point, Carpenter has to be discussed. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think, yeah, there's, there's I think. Because he's the guy. He's the guy who, who serves as, like, not only a director, but, I mean, uh, directly. We talked about some directors who sort of create their own world by mm-hmm. selecting other people's music. Yeah. He's creating it uh, himself. Yeah. So I don't know much about like how he approaches it. I know that he works with the, his brother a lot. And Alan Alan Hope. Al- and Alan yeah. Right. Um, do you think he has a soundtrack in his head first? You know, some people, especially the example of like Guardians of the Galaxy most recently, you know, he already had Awesome Mix number one and, you know, gave it to chris and to listen to and get like into the film and that's what james he was listening to awesome mix number one as he was writing the film Mm -hmm. do you think like carpenter thinks of like a melody in his head i think so especially after after does he have to find that inspiration 
in a script if he doesn't directly have his hands in it or wrote it originally that he he has to identify it in some way do you think it's musical i think he probably like composes some things and has ideas that he can bring into his writing i really think that now after listening to his album he just put out lost Lost themes Themes, where these are just like ideas and he maybe puts them into his music and then they they inform his writing later on that's my take on it well, I think that if you read up on his his history and stuff, I mean, first and foremost, you have to know Carpenter comes from a musical family. His father right. was, mm-hmm. you know, a conductor and a band leader and a, a teacher. And um, some of the things he talks about, like uh, obviously the creation of the Halloween score, probably being his most famous story. The main theme is that you know, thinking of like you know, timing and stuff, time signatures like a four four and stuff like that, and how to write that. I mean, his thing. I mean, almost all of his scores are simple. I mean. If you have any musical knowledge or or understanding, I mean, it's just themes, and a lot of them are, you know... Variations. Yeah, he's and, not Frank Zappa. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, or, it's, or um, you know any of those kind of guys. You know, he doesn't have uh, John Zorn kind of level of. Uh, no, it's, he, what he creates is 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 so direct and so uh, minimal that I think that it can't help but like you can't help but draw the parallels between the kinds of films he makes and then the kind of music he makes. That's almost just how it. You just almost start doing that instinctually, but I mean just really simple melodies uh he also of course was completely contemporary in his use of synths at the time mm-hmm. and but now he's not contemporary like the uh, lost theme sounds like it could be from any any film early yeah. early in the day so he's not well, and he also didn't always give you know he gave us you know certain of his films were scored by other people right oh yeah like the thing was That's scored by ennio morricone but also like morricone his uh score for the thing is also like very like minimal and ambient which i think by the way that carpenter actually took that direct influence because that's the way i feel about prince of darkness is a very Mm -hmm. very low-key score in most parts and it's just that kind of thing but carpenter i think if you're asking like where he gets his ideas i mean any you can be speculative as you want but i truly think not only does he take i mean he always cites film wise that he was most inspired by westerns and i sure. think that westerns generally uh you know sergio leone and stuff like that and like a lot of people you know and his his he was a disciple of howard hawks he loved um a lot of these different folks you know those influences is that that's the minimalism to me yeah is that very stark like this is the um you know this is the dark gunslinger or yeah. whatever it may be in these these barren landscapes or even like the kurosawa stuff too. or the kurosawa yeah. is another great one that you can talk about but he really um, but you know that he got influence from from Kurosawa's work as well. Oh, without when a you doubt. Think of like Yojimbo and everything like that. Yeah. Kind of that tongue in cheek mm-hmm. yeah, samurai, and the, and the scores on those is very reminiscent of. Yeah, John I think Carpenter's. he's just one of those guys. But I mean, he also stuck, as Jason mentioned, with the synth and stuff like that as a medium. But I think it's because it's very expressive in horror especially yeah but um and then you know on like the you know the coupe de ville's tracks on like big trouble in little china but that's another that's a film big trouble in little china big trouble is like an aberration in this terms yeah. of his score but it's, it's that the like, cues in that film it's like the dun 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 but then to me it's like catchier than yeah to me it's the little moments in like big trouble in little china so there's like a part where um they're in the 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 chinese restaurant and jack burton is asking like 
like what is Lopan and he's like a spirit medium and then there's like this little like do 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 like it's awesome it's this like weird little quick like synth but it's like Asian and like that's my favorite part of that whole soundtrack right yeah I think a lot of the beats and they live are some of my favorite yeah even though oh, yeah. I, you know I love like his whole catalog where it's it's just it's it's just so over the top. I think that that the the album coming out this year or last year, which was it? Yeah, what? it was it was Lost Themes. Yeah, yeah, that just, just came out. It, it, was, it was yeah, it was earlier this year. I think that that was a great little insight into his uh, his his brain because it sounds like they could all be themes to films that don't, yeah, that don't right. exist. And I wouldn't be surprised if eventually they get reused that way or if they don't at all because it seems part of the the idea of its stu- of his stuff being so minimal is that it's also very workmanlike and that it's not a uh, it's not labored over. I think that that's mm. part of what creates I think he figures it out quick and he knows what the sound is and then he kind of just that's it. It's there and it and it then informs the the film. But it's not the sort of thing where it's not ornate or complex it's very mm-hmm. but that's what speaks to his point well, of, uh, victor's oh, point yeah. about big trouble in little china is that that's kind of the aberration because it's so over the top yeah not yeah, that they true. live isn't because i get where i'm coming from right. they sure. live in prince of darkness that real bass heavy stuff too yeah. um, right which um but i think the big trouble in little china yeah, but even they live, they live like i that. really like because that one really does feel western in a way like yeah, sure. just it's just like don't don't you know yeah, like, right. it, yeah it's the, whereas like i mean the very urban feel of assault on precinct 13 i mean right. it's a heavy theme like yeah it, it really is very but pulsing he, yeah and also they live i can still hear like kind of echoes of what he did like in escape from la you know sure and that's actually that's one of the things about escape from new york that bugs me if we're talking about fabulous disasters you know because that's one of those movies that like because i love like the escape from la score but like escape or Escape from New York score. The Escape from L.A. like suffers from that 90s. Let's throw every new metal song in yeah. there. Like Gravity Kills is all these shitty fucking TVT songs are like crammed into that thing like an overstuffed turducken. Right. right. <laughs> but see, I'm glad so we got the best analogy of the, of yeah, the yeah, session yeah. here. So when I was younger, I suppose the, the I really wasn't paying attention to directors as much, but I, I was paying attention to John Carpenter. There's some stuff I didn't even know that he did but just by the the sound and the tone of the soundtrack when i would watch a movie i knew it was john carpenter even before it would it would come up sure. so even though it, it he diversified but yet kept it simple there's like this common um uh feel yeah yeah that's to, that's to everything that he does where you can identify it and like you know i can name that tune in five notes you know yeah well that's why i think a lot of these newer movies like the guest or it follows that are doing this kind of like synth thing they're borrowing on the fact that we have a familiarity with like john carpenter movies being like 80s so they're trying to you know oh this sounds like a john carpenter movie that means it's like an 80s movie right right yeah i i still need to see both of those but they're also you also can see that the discomfort dislike among a lot of younger individuals in the crowd usually because not everyone but a lot of them are just like what the hell is going on like i need three days grace on this Hmm. like right you know they wanted some more (laughs) modern like new metalish or or that kind of thing because that's what has been ingrained especially in the 2000 yeah, uh, late 90s 2000 horse cycle yeah. was definitely i mean speaking directly to that i mean even though carpenter has and that's an interesting part crossed over mainly in horror but also done sci-fi action and stuff but in the end i mean almost everything 
everything he's done is a western style sure. where he really and, and i like that uh, with jason Robert. i like the idea of working man score yeah it's, it's very I, good because that's what it is i, I mean, don't mean and I, I i i would be worried that somebody might take Somebody oh, might no. take what I'm saying and like apply a negative connotation to no. it. I don't mean oh, that no, at all. No, no, no. I mean well, it's, it's also, like, but it is the heart of it because you're talking about pre Carpenter and a lot of his compatriots. That era was you had to have a damn orchestra, right? You had to hire. I mean, you had to have real musicianship. This is a to, guy, and not that Carpenter doesn't, but I mean, you really had to have very classic training. You had to go to Juilliard or Berkeley yeah, or well, something like that I mean, to be a musician. So it really is the working class. Yeah, because later on, it wasn't until like you got to guys like Brian. E you know or philip glass it was like okay this is like a soundtrack that's clearly like you know just simple minimalist instruments well sure like- one of my favorite uh one of my favorite documentaries is uh uh for all mankind mm-hmm. uh with Eno and daniel lenoir doing the soundtrack and it's like Eno actually hasn't done a, t- a tremendous amount of soundtrack work he's done lots of ambient stuff and obviously he's produced uh you know a bajillion things but that's a fantastic use of um evocative western yeah. sounds and ambient sounds you know all about the apollo well like and yeah because i think of like stuff like uh like 28 days later that's right uh, yeah absolutely yeah like this the soundtrack really uses like a lot of brian eno and then they has like a score a soundtrack that was really like a lot of these bands that are sort of like just very evocative like godspeed you black emperor yeah, 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 yeah. kind of like post rock yeah. black yeah. metalish kind of stuff i also think um one that um is uh victor was talking about modern stuff like i think because the franchise is generally so hated but i really love the theme to saw i think that's a huh. one of the grayer themes if you listen to it it's just very so it reminds me of 20 days later in some respects it's more electronic and industrial mm-hmm. and modern but it just works like who did i think that was one of the guys from nine Snails. like like it was, was uh, danny loner or chris Renner, one of those guys it was uh charlie Klauser. that's it charlie Klauser. Yeah. yeah and then there, it's funny you touched on philip glass i wanted to quick say that's one of my favorite scores since i'm not going to go into the full horror score but i love um i love philip glasses for uh candy man i like a lot of them oh yeah the music yeah. box stuff like i love pino dinaggio's mm-hmm. the howling or uh what's his name um uh, Joe Renzetti who did Child's Play I love those very soft kind of um, themes um, for like the main theme I yeah. just think those are great I've always been a huge fan and that's a Carpenter kind of influence too not direct cause, but it works yeah I mean it, it, just along the line of those terms I think my favorite Philip Glass is um, you know the music he did for Koyanis Quatsi and how they reuse it in Watchmen for the part where um, Dr. Manhattan is on Mars it's a perfect reuse of that music. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, as we're kind of winding this up, since we're uh, we're getting towards the end here, we're gonna just basically talk, uh, finish up, and see what is. We're gonna ask each of our panel members, "What's your favorite soundtrack, and what's your most overrated soundtrack?" I think that's a good way. Underrated, overrated. Uh, yeah, exactly. Underrated first, maybe, and yeah. more overrated. Man. So. All right, let's start with let's start with Adam because oh, I feel no. like you haven't gotten enough oh, airtime this time. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm going to mention like maybe uh, like one I didn't get to. I love the soundtrack to the Black Hole, the Disney oh, film. Yeah. It, it, who does just, that? That's incredible. That's J.J. Barry. Okay, um, who I wrote down, and uh, you know, I don't really know if I have one that's like like overrated. I do want to mention Akira. 
uh, which I think has an excellent soundtrack. Just the most bizarre thing at that time in like 85 or 86 when that came out in the U.S. Uh, just completely blew my mind. But I don't, I don't really know if I have anything that's like like underrated or or overrated. What? I'm sure, but you know what would be a good thing is you know once once we kind of go through here. Um, I know by the time, you know, everyone's driving home or, or relaxing later on, you're going to think of like 20 more things. Oh, yeah. So I, I think we should do something where we go on, on cultfollowing.co mm-hmm. and just add stuff over the week because it's still going to be record store day. Yeah. Sure. Just keep I like adding that idea. to stuff. So. Sure. But yeah, let's, um, let's keep going. Go ahead. Kirby. Go around. Go Whoever's Kirby. next. Kirby's whatever, next. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. The, um, uh, you know, I definitely have so many favorites that it's it's really impossible to pick. Um, you know, because it's strange. Like I, my favorite film is The Exorcist, and I love Tubular Bells. It's Mike Oldfield, yeah, yeah, Mike Oldfield. Yeah. But the interesting part about um, Friedkin was that uh, who's the director of The Exorcist is that basically the the soundtrack and its various scores and its various forms has been released over the years, truncated, more full in some versions. It's really just a collection of like temp tracks. It's cues. I mean, sure, he never sure. knew exactly what to do. He always said that if he had heard Tangerine Dream, they would have done the score. So I'm always glad he didn't, but I kind of like that piecemeal so nature mm-hmm. of, of the Exorcist. I mentioned Texas Chainsaw. I mean, there's so many. I could go on and on forever, especially about horror um, related stuff. Um, um, so you know, I can I can list tons of favorites. Um, I, I, two really underrated ones though I do want to mention is on the horror side is um Daniel I, I do not know how to pronounce the last name it's Light or Licked um L I C H T Daniel Light yeah, he Licked. also did the theme for Dexter yeah he did the theme right. for Dexter he's done a lot of work over the years in video games movies etc TV but um his first really big score actually was for the uh, Fangoria film Children of the Night. And the girl's theme in that is, like, heart-wrenchingly gorgeous. It is one of the most, like, beautiful things I've ever heard. And I can't recommend that one enough. And then on, um, we kind of, we didn't really touch on any of us a huge amount, but obviously so many 80s action films had awesome scores. Oh, sure. Like, I'm Predator's down. definitely one of my favorites. A lot of, like, the big action vehicles. But uh, one of the low-key ones that just never gets enough scores, one of my favorites from a kid and still now, um, when Entrada released, I grabbed it, like, immediately, is Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Oh, yeah. Is the best damn action theme possibly ever Greg <laughs> Saban did that one he also uh, worked on Last Starfighter Fade to Black yep. and he actually in Trotta also released his um, unused score for Wolfen and I actually dig that one a lot too so um, as, as you kind of mentioned Adam too I can't really think of overrated I think people think of the song, the themes that have been played out the scores of the soundtracks sure, sure. Um, from the, some of the biggies we mentioned yeah, but I, I think know. it's just it's all relative really yeah too, you if know? there's one though I think that's overrated but truly underrated I'll close out that is I think the Jurassic Park theme is possibly one of the best damn songs like ever yeah. another one that just you hear it and it's just like so ludicrous but perfect like i mean you're in the helicopter like you're looking upon the island the gate is opening yeah it's just beautiful (laughs) so i mean i'll I'll update as uh the great suggestion here with all my horror stuff or we'll do that on another one but (laughs) 
Jason, why don't you go ahead, buddy? Man, well, I guess I'll just run through a couple favorites real quick. Uh, I, we mentioned Dead Man by Neil Young. That's absolutely on there. Uh, also in the uh, Jim Jarmusch uh, category is Mystery Train with John Lurie. It's, it's all these oh, yeah, like... Yeah. Me- yeah, that was really good. It's one. so good. It's like this Memphis... Uh, well, he did music for, for the other stuff as well and, and with the Lounge Lizards. But um, uh, yeah, that's so good. It's just the, like sort of like R&B influence. Yeah, well, that one holds a special place in my heart because I, I saw that at the... Uh, uh, Walker in Minneapolis, oh, and Jim was there, like doing a Q and A. That's so awesome. It was just, it and, was the, and then you and then you get uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins in there. Yeah. He's in the film, and uh, that's a really Steve good movie. Steve Buscemi's amazing in it. And, and okay, I gotta watch that Joe one. It's so it's so good. I'll probably want to watch it tonight. Uh, let's see. We mentioned High Fidelity. I gotta throw out uh, Ry Cooter soundtrack to uh, Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Incredible yep. soundtrack. Uh, I love uh, Herbie Hancock stuff for Death Wish super good uh uh mccabe and mrs miller the uh altman film with uh leonard cohen doing the score Mm -hmm. uh border radio is a big favorite of mine with all the west coast the x stuff that we were talking about or the sort of uh the blasters los lobos los lobos isn't on it but it's that style yeah and then um i guess for an underrated one i'm gonna throw out um john bryan's score to uh i heart huckabees which is uh Uh. which is i i like uh david o russell stuff and john bryan's done a lot of other films too he he did you know uh i'm pretty sure he did uh magnolia and i think he did well with maybe with amy man yeah amy man he like produced a lot of that stuff and uh he did a kanye west record the second one late registration but uh his stuff uh I think that I Heart Huckabees, it's a movie that I don't think it has a particularly, I don't think it's it's thought of very highly in terms of David O. Russell stuff. No, because we, uh, that infamous scene, you can go on YouTube of him like Yelling berating at, uh, Lily Tomlin. Yeah, I mean, and that of course. But always, this is before like, you know, all his recent successes like American Hustle and uh, uh, Silver, Silver Linings, Lines Playbook. Both of which I, I really, really like also. But um, but I Heart Huckabees has uh, in the soundtrack, it's, um, it's an interesting one because it almost serves as a sequel to John Bryan's album, Meaninglessness, um, in sort of him talking about these uh, big uh, existential themes that are, I guess, probably addressed, uh, I, I, the most common criticism is that they're addressed very, you know, uh, you know, very silly in uh in i heart huckabees but i really love that movie i love uh hoffman and and tomlin as the detectives and i think jason schwartzman's great in it, and i mm-hmm. think that uh, mark Wahlberg's great in it so it's it's a soundtrack that i that's one of the ones that um i uh, you know we're talking now 10 years ago uh, when i when i must have got it on dvd uh i had uh I, I had just gone through this stupid breakup and i would i would stay up all night and and barely get any sleep but i'd watch this movie and uh i'd watch it on my laptop and then so the theme or the 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 dvd uh, menu screen would always play you know just over and over again when the film would start oh, you had to yeah, press uh, right. play again so it would just be a loop of like one cue from that film yeah and it just must have got ingrained <laughs> in my brain uh i don't have any big overrated i'm all it's all about underrated for me i think that uh that john bryan's score i want him to do more movie scores because i uh i miss i miss his sound I'm just thinking that you've you've gone on about Garden State for a while now. It's I Heart Huckabee's man. It's, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm really bringing the uh, bring that the, early the, the, the Lily White Lily yeah, uh, early aughts. Uh, yeah, neurotic uh, uh, white goofy people movies. Yeah. 
Um, Victor. Victor, what do you got? Uh, I, I have a few. Like, some of these are stuff I, you know, meant to talk about, but I didn't get around to it. Um, yeah, we're all going to have to put so much on <laughs> so much. I've, um, I've got all these notes. I, I really think, like, uh, Joe LaDuca and uh, Danny Elfman's score for Army of Darkness is really so good. underrated, like, criminally. Mm. Um, I, Bex, uh, you know, because he did the score and the sound, uh, put together that for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, you're right. Um, I think Brad Fidel's uh, main theme for the Terminator franchise. It's that's to me that's up there with John Williams and stuff. You can't yeah, do that. His Bright Night yeah. One Two is. Uh, oh, I yeah. to to contrast with what uh, with what um, Kirby was saying. I think my favorite action soundtrack is Basil Polidorus's, uh soundtrack for Conan the Barbarian. So good. One of my all, yeah. Oh, there you, I didn't even Ross. notice he was wearing a Conan wearing the Barbarian shirt. shirt. Yeah, that, that uh, my my in March we did that in marching band in high school. Our our band director Roger Anderson, Roger, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> he he wrote out charts for it. So we had the the um what is it the anvil of uh, the wheel of uh, pain is one of the mm. themes from it, and then the main theme, uh, or maybe it was anvil of crom. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, that's a that's a great that should have been on my list. Right? Yeah. And We're even gonna like do some Sousa and then some Wheel of Pain after. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, yeah. We did a little Wheel, <laughs> yeah. Wheel of Pain into, uh, yeah. And even like up. the kind of reinvigorated version from Conan the Destroyer, I think, is also good. That da 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 dum bum bum. But um, and I also like Danny Elfman's uh, scores for uh, specifically Batman Returns and Edward Scissorhands. Those are both really good scores. Both great. Um, as far as soundtracks, uh, these are two two of my favorite soundtracks. Um, were the soundtrack for the Doom Generation. And for Nowhere, they're both uh, films by Greg Araki. They're both very, like, shoegaze-heavy. Like, this score for Nowhere uh, a soundtrack ends with a really good uh, The The song called Love is Stronger Than Death. It's also on one of their albums. Really good. Um, there's uh, Doom Generation. That's where I first heard Slow Dive. Slow Dive's one of my, so my favorite bands, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, God, and then also, like, Skinny Puppy is even in Doom Generation. They're also on the soundtrack. Um, Nine Inch Nails, it's a really good soundtrack. Catherine Wheel, just very, like, Oh, shoe- Catherine Wheel's so good. So good. Yeah, very shoegaze, very, like, English. Like, a lot of bands I listened to in the mid-'90s were because of these soundtracks. Underrated horror soundtracks. Um, uh, Akira Yamaoka's uh, soundtrack for the, the Silent Hill movie. They used most of the songs from the game but he they had him redo them and they used like especially during the credit scene where it's like straight out of the game it's really good um they even have the same singer um in terms of overrated i'll say uh hans zimmer i really like him as a composer like the score for inception is one of my favorite like scores sure. time is one of my favorite songs i used to really feel really strong like oh my god i love the score for like the dark night until i watched mission impossible 2 uh recently and i realized 99 percent of the score like is just recycled themes from mission impossible 2 that you use for the dark night <laughs> and like that right. made me reevaluate like a lot like oh my god like you know Hans Zimmer with Howard Shore, really good. Hans Zimmer by himself leans towards hack. I don't know. It just really bugged me how, like, if you watch Mission Impossible 2 the whole time, you're thinking of the Dark Knights of the, that do 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 which you hear in every movie now. Right. You, you do get some prime uh, uh, late period Metallica on the, yeah. uh, on the official soundtrack, though. 
Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> and Mission Impossible 2 is just a bad movie. It's it's really sad. I, I you know, but that's Tom Cruise's fault. I forgot uh cuz Victor and I were talking about on the way was uh Fred Mirau's and Malcolm Seagrave's score for Phantasm. Uh, we recently discussed. That's another super underrated one. Yeah. Well, I think we've gone really long on this oh, one. Oh yeah. I think Are we had three parts. Could be, could be but i think i think you guys will hopefully enjoy this and it was great having uh jason on as a guest thanks guys thanks, i'm jason. sorry i added so much oh no i think this, to it I'm no sure. I length think, is fine the garden stays yeah, yeah that's, I, that's where i, I think yeah, this maybe is there a, might be some editing it will not be welcomed back <laughs> <laughs> no i think no we i think you'd be an awesome addition to yeah, have again really enjoyed it oh, yeah but yeah i think uh happy this is yeah yeah really ha- happy to have done this kind of really in-depth like discussion on this i think we went like you're our first guest and you've gone into the aughts with our show there we go because there's the nine and we're probably going to go into 10 and 11 yeah so that's what i aim to do yeah so um i guess i'll start wrapping this up and uh hopefully you'll join us again for a further edition of cult following i'm pretty sure our next edition will be on comic book films more than likely um and just speaking for all of us here you know uh, i myself would say soundtracks are awesome and let's go (laughs) all around the room and saying this is victor marino and saying don't eat after midnight and stay dry kirby what what is kirby what i'm just trying to closing comments oh Oh. closing comments you know one thing i didn't mention i just want to say too that um soundtracks especially horror in today's theme please be sure to check out some of the great labels that we mentioned one way static death waltz uh intrada perseverance la la land there are just uh, not just horror but a lot of great scores on vinyl and cd um not just a promotional plug and mondo but please you know this is really important to support these companies and what they're doing because a lot of these scores were lost forever these soundtracks and to give these a second life um is something i really appreciate i'm glad that's out there and you know just thanks for everybody for listening and supporting us as well we really appreciate it any last words adam no not necessarily all right. Well, join us again in the future. Uh, Jason, do you do you, do have, you have any last? Do you have words? any more? No, do you, you have guys, anything to plug or anything? Like you guys, that thanks for having me. If uh, if you guys want to keep up to date with anything I'm up to, uh, you listeners, of course. I mean, the guys in here already mm-hmm. know how to get in touch with me. But uh, if you want to keep up to date with anything I'm up to, I'm at, at Jason P Woodbury on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's that. And please come out for Record Store Day this Saturday. Yeah, well, it's probably would have passed. Oh, yes, that's it. That's true. I'm <laughs> so sorry. Say, thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming day. out a couple <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> I will, I will, or it might be on the way. You never yeah. know. But I will say, we also want to give a big up, especially since it's an addition about music, to our friend John Mapes for our awesome. Uh, oh yes, score. great. Yeah, Point. title theme, which you'll probably be listening to at any moment as I'm blathering. Uh, find us at cultfollowing.co. You'll find out about our latest screenings at cultclassicsaz.com or Facebook dot com slash cult classics az or on twitter and instagram at cult classics az so until next time we'll be back Oh, man. Oh, yeah. God. I'm so, my ears are so sweaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah.